0: Welcome one, welcome all to a brand new edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I am your host, T-O-D-O-D-E, and I'm glad you could join us today. Uh, Real quick, before we get too deep into the show, as I am recording this, there is a thunderstorm going on, so it's not, uh, if you hear something in the background, that's not any uh, extra added special effects on this week's episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. That's just Mother Nature doing her thing out there. Would like to go ahead and also uh, thank everybody who tuned in to last week's episode uh, titled "Let's Talk About Race." Uh, it was it was a long show with heavy topics, and uh, I appreciate everybody who joined in to listen to that show. That show, that episode, had the it was the most listened to new episode in a 12-hour period. So, in the first 12 hours that the show was out, it had the most listeners than any other previous episode in Random Thoughts and Best Regards. So, I want to thank everybody who uh, was part of that episode, and uh, I want to thank all my listeners who took the time to listen to it because I know it was a long episode uh, with heavy topics and uh, I, it, but important topics. So, I'm really glad um, that all of you took the time to listen. The show, and again, I I can't thank Marvin and Saul enough, as well as uh, Ricardo and Terrence who joined in the show. Um, Really proud of that show and uh, glad it's done so well. On to this week's episode. Uh, You know, I I, when I started out doing this, especially during the pandemic, uh, I, I never realized, I guess. Uh, how much time on the show I would have to devote to loss and death. It's really kind of crazy when, when you think about it. Um, it. It seems like almost every other episode um, I, I have to um, do an uh, in-memoriam for somebody or, or speak about the loss of uh, of somebody on this earth. And uh, this week was kind of crazy. Uh, obviously, the big one, uh, the shocking one, the, the one that... Uh, kind of hit home with me and resonates with me, obviously, because he was 43 years old, uh, and and that is Chadwick Boseman. Uh, You know him better as Black Panther. Um, Countless movies he he appeared in, uh, as as I mentioned, Black Panther. Uh, He was James Brown in Get On Up, uh, which was a a really good movie. Um, He was also Jackie Robinson in 42. uh, Just a, a tremendous... Such a short life and a tremendous legacy uh, for the Howard graduate, Chadwick Boseman. Um, and this one's tough because this affects an entire community. Um, and uh, you know, the other day, after when I heard of his passing, I had posted a photo of um, my son uh, from a couple of years ago when we were at Universal, and he had gotten a Black Panther toy. Um, he was kind of playing with it, and I snapped a photo of him. I had posted that. That photo in memory of Chadwick the other day, um, but just a, a, a terrible uh, loss. He suffered from uh, colon cancer. Um, he had it for four years, kept it secret. And hey, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, if you want to have, you want to talk about an inner circle. You want to talk about uh, a group of people closing ranks. Shout out to everyone uh, in Bozeman's inner circle that that knew what he was going through that saw him suffering and never leaked a word to it. I mean, this man, he did movies during this time. I mean, he, he, he carried on his life to the best of his ability while suffering. Um, and uh, it's truly amazing that it never got out. All the people that he trusted kept this uh, a secret uh, because that's what he wanted. And it's uh, a, a tremendous loss. I still don't even know if I can fully uh, process it. But uh, obviously that was the, the shocking one. Uh, this week uh, in the loss of Chadwick Boseman and uh, if I didn't mention it already I will most definitely be getting a colonoscopy done um, shifting to the world of basketball we've had some losses there uh, legendary Arizona coach Lute Olson passed away uh, Lute won a national championship which uh, still kind of hurts me because uh, that was a great Kansas team that his Wildcats knocked off on their way to an ncaa championship uh that one still still hurts not gonna lie Uh, and also the loss of nba superstar clifford robinson Uh, cliff played for uh, multiple teams in the nba uh, most notably in my childhood he played for the portland trailblazers and had great rivalries with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars of the Detroit Pistons. Later on, Cliff would become a Piston. Uh, he'd also be a New Jersey Net and play along uh, Jason Kidd and Vince Carter on some very good Nets teams. Uh, Cliff Robinson was also a guy, when I was playing NBA Live, I'd always go in and, and make a trade for because uh, I always loved having him on my bench back in the day when a young Todd was playing NBA Live. Uh, so again Lou Olson and Cliff Robinson also passing this week Uh, and then there was the passing of John Thompson legendary legendary Georgetown Hoya coach uh, at the age of 78 this week Uh, John Thompson had over 500 wins he was at Georgetown University for over 25 years he was a staple to the program uh, he was the first African-American coach to win a national championship, and that was in 1984 when Georgetown defeated Houston, and that was the 5 slamajama uh, Houston Cougars that Georgetown defeated. Uh, he had coached four Hall of Famers, those being Patrick Ewing, the current coach of the Georgetown Hoyas and legendary New York Nick, Alonzo Mourning of Miami Heat fame, Dikembe Mutombo of Denver Nugget fame, and Allen Iverson the uh, amazing point guard uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers and later on Denver Nuggets. Um, That 84 team featured Patrick Ewing, David Wingate, and Reggie Williams. And the reason why I go back to that 84 team, and um, I want to talk a little bit why John Thompson was important to me, because he was integral in me falling in love with the sport of basketball and, and I think I've mentioned this before it might have been in the last dance episode if not I think it might have been one of the episodes that Shintu was on but we were talking basketball and I brought up a story about how in 1984 I believe I was in first grade and I was going to school in East Rutherford New Jersey and the Hoyas were in town I'm not sure if they were in town for the NCAA tournament or if it was just a game against Seton Hall. I'm not sure if it was a Big East game against Seton Hall or if it was for the tournament itself. Uh, that was, that's a little fuzzy uh, in my memory banks. But nonetheless, um, they had a game in the Brendan Byrne Arena. They were using my school that I was attending, uh, they were using that gymnasium as the practice facility. And what they did was they had a practice and they had all the school kids come in and watch the practice. And I'll never remember, I can, I can see the gym clear as day, still. Um, I can I can see that the Gales, the, the school, was, their mascot was the Gales, which was like a night. I could see the Gales logo in the middle of the court, the bleachers I was sitting on. I was at the far end um, of the gym, and there were double doors uh, down towards the left of where I was sitting, and uh, across the court, and through the doors came John Thompson and the Georgetown Hoyas, and again, it was Reggie Williams, Patrick Ewing, David Wingate, uh, and I remember just marveling at the size of of these guys. Um, and again, I was in first grade, and I just thought this was the coolest thing ever. And I began to watch them practice. They were running sprints, um, you know, doing all their layup lines and practicing. You could hear John Thompson's voice and the towel. Uh, I'll always remember my gym teacher, Mrs. Killings, going over and, and giving John Thompson a hug and, and talking to him. And you know, coach was running, running the practice, and I we just sat and we watched this. We watched this, what was essentially an open practice to my elementary school, of the Georgetown Hoyas. And I gotta be honest, that's one of my earliest memories of basketball, and probably what started my love for it. Um, it was just such a moment for me. I don't know if my love and passion for basketball is the same if John Thompson, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Williams, if they don't walk through those doors uh, at St. Mary's uh, in East Rutherford for that practice that day. Um, So uh, when I heard that John had passed on, um, that's where my thoughts immediately went to, is is the the impact that uh, at a young age, Coach Thompson and that 1984 Hoyas team had on me. Um, He will be missed, again, legendary coach, Uh, Such a huge figure, literally and figuratively, such a huge figure in the world of college basketball um, and just thoughts and prayers to his family uh, and his extended Hoya family as well. Coming up in just a few moments on Random Thoughts and Best Regards when we return out of the break, have you ever wondered if Jerry Seinfeld had a least favorite episode of Seinfeld? Well, he does. Stay tuned. In just a little bit, we will disclose what is Jerry's least favorite episode. Also, coming up later on in the show, my main man, Matty Matt, joins us from Galveston, Texas. We'll talk about the Houston Astros, college football, and what being what it is like being a Cleveland fan. Stay tuned. All that and more headed your way on Random Thoughts and Best Regards when we return. See, you know how to take the reservation. You don't know how to hold the reservation. Anyone can take a reservation. It's holding. That's the important part. Anybody know where that famous line comes from? That is in episode 11, season 3 of Seinfeld, The Alternate Side. You know you've listened to the show, big Seinfeld fan. For those who are just tuning in for the first time, Seinfeld ran from 1989 to 1998. It was was revolutionary because it was different from anything that came before it. And I think uh, one of the the best Larry David quotes to explain the show is that there was a no-hugging, no-learning policy on the show. And what he meant by that was he didn't intend... present moral themes into the episodes or show any kind of emotional growth to any of the characters Uh, I bring this up and more specifically that line that I just delivered from the alternate side I bring this up because Jerry was recently on an episode of watch what happens live and he was asked the question what is your least favorite episode of Seinfeld which kind of made me start to think because Yeah, I mean, I've studied the show for years, and I've watched every episode, and I've read the books, and I've never really heard about any of the cast, or even the writers. I've read some of the writers' books. I've never heard them speak about their least favorite episode. Everybody talks about their favorites. Nobody talks about, even I've talked about my favorites on this show, nobody ever talks about their least favorite episode, and Jerry actually had one. And, a bit to my surprise, it was the alternate side episode 11 in season three and I just find that fascinating because as he explained it, it made sense to me but uh that episode there was so much in the sense that you had again that famous rental car scene which is one of my favorites from Seinfeld uh that the bit with the taking and the holding of the reservation so Jerry's car is stolen he has to go rent uh, a car then you have uh Woody Allen is in town Shooting a movie, and they're shooting in front of Jerry's apartment. Uh, Kramer gets a role as an extra in the movie, which turns into a speaking role, and you get that whole exchange of "These pretzels are making me thirsty," which is another famous Seinfeld quote. You have all, all four: uh, Elaine, George, Jerry, Kramer, all delivering the line in their own, you know, trying to get Kramer to do it a certain way. Uh, again, you it's a famous these pretzels are making me thirsty it's, it's a famous one-liner that came out of this episode um, you have George who who's looking for some work so the guy who moves the cars from one side of the street to the other for alternate side of the street parking if you grew up in the northeast you know this very well if you grew up in a big city like I, I did um, you know there's alternate side of the street parking so there was somebody that would go around and move the cars he goes on vacation George takes over for him uh, George winds up getting into an accident. They're shooting the, the Woody Allen movie. George winds up getting into an accident. Elaine comes upstairs with her older boyfriend who has just suffered a stroke. The ambulance can't get down the street now because George has caused chaos. And this whole thing just unravels. There are some very funny moments. To Jerry, and Jerry gets specific as to why he didn't like the episode, uh, he didn't like the whole stroke uh, scene which I kind of when he started to explain I was like yeah you know what that was kind of awkward and, and that's actually the word he uses and I was like yeah he, he kind of nails it there it was awkward uh the whole episode was very funny but kind of like the end part is where you know the accident happens um and the aliens can't get down the street and they have Elaine's elderly boyfriend um who was in his 60s or 70s in the episode uh, he's had a stroke, and they're trying to shove cookies down his throat. Um, they're trying to move his legs. It just I understand what Jerry meant. It was just awkward. Um, so, so there you have it. I mean, I thought it was interesting to hear that the man himself, Jerry Seinfeld, his least uh, favorite episode is the alternate side episode, which was uh, season three, episode 11, uh, because of the ending. He didn't like the ending with the whole stroke scene. It just it felt awkward to him this got me thinking because again I've talked on the show about my favorite episodes and I don't really have one I I have multiples it's always kind of hard to judge uh, a favorite Um, but I started thinking I said do I have a least favorite and I said son of a gun I do and the funniest thing that I kind of stumbled across and and came upon and I didn't even realize it um, and this this is uh, I'm being 100% honest. This was not just because of I found out what Jerry's least favorite episode was, um, but ironically enough, my least favorite episode comes from season three as well, and it's the very episode before the alternate side. And for me, my least favorite Seinfeld episode is the stranded. And if you remember this one, this one fe- features uh, Michael Chiklis as a guest star. Uh, Jerry, George, and Elaine go out to a party in Long Island, and uh, George has a chance to hook up with a coworker, so he leaves Jerry and Elaine at uh, the house of Chicklus's character, which I believe was Steve. Yeah, Steve. Uh, so they leave him at Steve's house out on Long Island. So, you know, Jerry's like, "Well, we gotta do George a solid," you know, explaining to Elaine. This, this episode features the one-liner of maybe the dingo ate ya, baby. So even when you have your worst episodes of Seinfeld, there's probably a favorite one-liner that, that came out of it. It's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, so they leave and now they're waiting for Kramer. And Kramer's coming from Long Island. In a typical Kramer fashion, it's the middle of winter and his his convertible top won't go up. So and he's, he lost the address and now he's going around town banging on doors in Long Island trying to find him so it's late at night they're in Steve's house still with Steve's wife everybody else has gone home from the party uh, and finally Kramer shows up picks him up takes him back to New York you know Jerry thanks Steve and his wife for their hospitality and says you know anytime you're in the city feel free to stop by a couple of weeks go by Steve stops by uh, Jerry's on his way out the door because he's got uh, I think he had a show to go do or something uh, Steve uh, hangs around in the house Kramer comes over they get to having a good time drinking whatever then uh steve gets a prostitute uh and then cuts out jerry comes home and then steve cuts out on the prostitute and jerry's left paying the bill it just always felt like a weird episode to me um especially it just to me it just got kind of like weird and and awkward when chickless character was just kind of you know with the prostitute and you know he was married so it was just it's just a weird episode It just uh again for me um it's not that I hated the episode I just if I had to pick one that I that was probably my least favorite that one just jumps to mind and uh, I just thought it was funny that it was the very episode before Jerry's least favorite episode um so I thought this was a cool topic basically again we talk so often about our favorites and not about our least favorites so I think it's always good to be open-minded and critical. Even if you think something is great, there's always something that you can kind of look at and say, well, maybe they could have done this differently or, you know, uh, I didn't like the, the creativity there. Uh, so that's it for me. So, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's least favorite episode comes from season three, the alternate side. My least favorite episode of Seinfeld is the stranded, um, which is episode 10 right before episode 11, which is the, the alternate side. So season three, um, Is where the least favorite episodes came for both Jerry and myself. All right, right now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, I'd like to go to the coast of Texas and welcome in my good friend, Matt. What's going on, my buddy? Hi, Todd. it is a Sitting pleasure in
1: my garage talking to you any self-respecting 40 year old man on a sunday <laughs> afternoon sit in my garage and watch the cars go
0: by there, there, there you go that sounds like a beautiful sunday afternoon so uh you know matt before we get uh, going here too much today you and i have known each other going on 19 years now uh just oh, yeah. about we we started off on the uh college program down at disney slinging slinging hot dogs scooping out some chili and providing everybody with lots of hijinks the vegetarian chili <laughs> the, the vegetarian chili yes uh, yes <laughs> so i'm glad i'm glad you remember that vegetarian chili that's one um, of my favorite stories that, that is well one, one of my favorite stories was stop and show your id here which involved you which is <laughs> one of the most fantastic stories <laughs> you ever, ever want to see a security guard pissed off put a sign in front of a security booth that's about six feet away and then have Matt stop by that sign that says stop here and show <laughs> ID and, and, and good times will ensue <laughs> so I mentioned now life is life has taken you to Texas so yeah. let's start with uh, one of your baseball teams out there, the Houston Astros. Yeah. And because and, uh, I, I know you're well versed in this story. Um, so Mike Fears, a former Astros player, accused the team of using technology. I'm doing figure quotes when I do that using technology in 2017 and 2018. Uh, Ken Rosenthal broke the story in November of 2019, and uh, it led to a. Big change throughout all of baseball, sort of. I mean, I say big change, but baseball never really changes that much. Uh, but for the Astros, it was a big change. Uh, Jeff Luhnow, AJ Hinch suspended, eventually fired. Um, Dusty Baker comes in. Uh, Alex Cora, who was at the time a bench coach, I believe, with the Astros, uh, yeah. and later the Red Sox manager was also fired because it was believed he was the the manager. Um, your Astros now are sitting in second place in the AL West, 19 and 14 behind the athletics. Now I said, if the pandemic did any team a favor or any sports team a favor, <laughs> it, it was the Houston Astros because number one, it put some separation between all of this, took them kind of out of, out of the spotlight. People had bigger issues going on in life and they don't have to travel from city to city, now being mercifully booed and and picked on and, and called names and everything yeah. else. Yes, uh, I mean we still have some bras there. We still have the. the ch- I mean,
1: they can barely get in fights. It's not <laughs> even. Come on.
0: <laughs> but um, talk to me, talk to me, kind of what the Astros were accused of and the fallout and kind of where you stand on all of that.
1: Came here being that they're one of my teams that I've been following for a long time. I'm going to have a much different slant. Of course, going to be more biased. Um, I'll give you you a heads up it's not going to be real uh, apologetic uh, about Mm it they got caught doing what I believe a number of teams had been doing and Mm -hmm. that there's stories that aren't getting as much attention because the MLB wants to with other we'll call legacy teams in Boston and New York Rewind back, they had some issues with New York that they don't want to talk about. uh, And the light sentence that was handed down to Boston for what they were doing when they won the World Series in 18 sounds just about Mm -hmm. the same thing that the Astros were doing, probably what Cora brought over there uh, with him. Wrong in baseball, I think there's different lines. Uh, They're always trying to steal signs. But Mm-hmm. where to draw the line being if you're gonna use, you know, electronics and all those other things and get a little bit too high tech with it. That's where I think uh, it came in that, you know, that's well that's what's well, not right, guys. Um, so on the end of what's happening with the Astros, you're absolutely correct. They don't have the fans there in the stadiums to boo them. I'm sure the other teams are giving them are giving them plenty. Uh, while they're out but it's definitely helped them on that end so
0: with it I mean do you go ahead do you think and my whole thing with with this whole thing is um for major league baseball just constantly Mm -hmm. seems to be behind the eight ball on on a lot of these types of things um how did they not see this? How did they not see that teams were going to use technology to steal? I mean, because I'm with you. I feel I feel the Astros just got caught. Yeah. I feel. I mean, obviously, we've said it. There's always the unwritten rules of baseball, and I'm begging Major League Baseball to friggin' sit down and write all their rules, please. But, um, you know, how did they not see? I mean, we've seen it in other sports. We we saw that the Patriots, sure. the Saints, and in the NFL, all, all these other teams get dinged. How did baseball not see this coming? Or again, did they just? are they just reactionary and do they just turn a blind eye until they have to deal with it
1: i think it's the reactionary end of things, or they don't want to have to deal with it and waiting to see who gets caught doing it is is part of it how blatantly they get caught maybe they don't have enough in-house on things where they've got reporters and other people and you got mike fires ratting the team out after he leaves Mm -hmm. for the investigation to really get started they should have been on top of it
0: more than that From the get-go so i can agree with you there yeah it just seems uh again i I just i can't believe and you you mentioned the the yankees and the the red sox as well um you know for them it was said well it was just the the i believe it was the one was it both them that was the apple watch i know the the yankees was the apple watch watch, that was a while ago Mm
1: -hmm. that was probably two years before any of this this business kicked off but what's laughable is they Trace down everything that went on with the Red Sox down to one person, down to the one mm. like some intern or something in the media department. It's all it's all on him. It's all on Kyle, the media intern. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with, you know, organization wise, and they let that fly. And it's
0: laughable. Yeah. Well, I, I had heard at one point even with the Red Sox that when they were trying to justify, I guess, the <laughs> the championship, so to speak. They were saying that it was uh, and again there's you don't have any really concrete evidence, but they were saying that the the actual Nesson feed was being used, but they didn't cheat during the playoffs because Nesson they Nesson didn't cover any playoff games. It was Turner that was covering them. And I you know, it's and that's where I feel like Major League Baseball just shoots themselves in the foot because um, I, I just it's very arbitrary what they do. And again, it's, uh, you're right. There are legacy teams that I, I think get the, the exception. Um, you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, we, we lived through the, the performance enhancing, uh, error of 98 and, you know, they were behind the eight ball on that too. And they, they knew what was going on and I, you know, they just, they turned a blind eye. So it is a little frustrating sometimes when they come and they do crack down on, on one team. Cause like I said, I, the Astros just got caught that to me it's it's that simple of a story the Astro just got caught but and I think what frustrates me Matt is and this is a the, the piousness of baseball and then everybody turns around and acts like this isn't going on yeah. in their own yeah. locker rooms and that's what I think is just a mind numbing about baseball it was the same it was the same thing with the PEDs everybody turned around like you know like Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds were the only people yeah. doing this stuff um it, so it's, it's very, it's uh, baseball sometimes gives me fits with, with the way they, they operate and run. Well,
1: it's fun to care about it so much, isn't it? It, it,
0: it, it <laughs> is. It, it is. So what do you, what do you think of your Astros under Dusty Baker now? What do what do you think of the, the shortened season so far? What do you think of them on that? They, they brought Dusty in to kind of steer the ship. Dusty has, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with the Giants the Cubs uh, how are you reputation. liking Dusty how, how are you liking Dusty as a manager what do you What do you think the future is for the Astros I mean, right now? I,
1: overall I think you could throw about any competent manager into the manager's role at the Astros they're loaded hmm. they're loaded up they've got tons of talent yeah yep. um, I think he was a good choice after thinking about it and lamenting and asking how oh, the hell and then later thinking about it, like, yeah, that's a good PR move more than anything mm-hmm. with it. I think he'll do just fine. He's doing okay. Uh, some questionable calls on his pitching and who he puts in and who he beats <laughs> in. That reputation's not mm-hmm. going anywhere with Dusty Baker. Uh, but I think he's doing all right. The Astros, they're struggling. Uh, I mean, being in second place to Oakland, Oakland's pretty darn good. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. lament them thinking that they stink because they're in second. The West has always been a two or
0: three team division you know yeah tough division now they've got a role in that they're going to be playing the NL teams with it so I think they're
1: doing alright they'll, they'll more than mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say they're, they're making the playoffs somewhere either first mm-hmm. and second place or they've opened up the wild card they'll make it to the playoffs so are you
0: are you missing going to oh, games
1: immensely. real bad
0: I know I know you you, you went to Minute made Field mm-hmm. quite a bit um Missing it.
1: Yeah, that's probably where I would be on a Sunday. Trek up there, go up there for a weekend, and it always seems that I end up going when they're playing Oakland. I can't tell you how many times I've seen <laughs> Oakland. Um, but it's just a, a funny coincidence. And when I go to a Cleveland game too, I'm up in Cleveland, I swear to God, like five times out of ten it's gonna be Oakland.
0: That's fine. It just lines up. <laughs> you, got, you got this you got this magnet for the I Oakland guess A's so. there. Um you, you you provided me with a nice segue there. Let's go uh, up the the Cuyahoga yeah. to your favorite to your favorite team, the the Cleveland, I guess Indians for yeah. now. Um, but but talk to me a little bit about that uh, name change imminent. Do you believe that no, they, name change they imminent? Are.
1: They do, everybody. It's the time do- that we live in right now. They're going to change. It. Do I agree mm-hmm. with it? No, not really. But I can't tell what tell people what to be offended about. I've come to that. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, conclusion over all of this because you, as you know, I'm a staunch uh, Indians fan. I
0: love them. I like the Astros. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. But that not Yes, yeah, see, I, 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 yeah, the 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 Cleveland Indians are are your team. I would consider uh, the Astros more of an, an adopted yeah, team or, or like a like a co- like a cousin to you. But yeah. the, the Indians are your baby. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's my love and. uh I'm a staunch supporter of the team name because I think, again, I'm biased on it, but it goes back. You could trace it back uh, that they've been called the Indians for this long. And they could say that there's all these protests and dislike for the name and everything. Man, there's like a protest for opening day at Cleveland, and then that's about it. And honestly, nobody cared if you go back to when the Indians made the World Series. Prior to that, nobody was talking about Cleveland Indians racist cartoon character logo. Yeah. nobody I, cared I,
0: I, yeah, yeah I, I do think they they definitely catch less heat than than the, the Washington football yeah. team did uh, before their lo- logo name name change um if there was a name change do you have any suggestions anything you'd like to see what have you heard in terms of names they're kicking around some of the names
1: that they're kicking around that I like um uh, the one that I would go for and I'd vote for but I don't think what happened would be the Tribe. Just make them the Tribe. Okay. But I think that they Mm. need to steer entirely out of that category. It would be a continuation and some continuity for the fans that support Mm -hmm. this team. Now, mind you, Cleveland sports fans, I'm not, I'm going to get on my soapbox. We're probably some of the most loyal people possibly out there. we've supported this small market team for this long. They've been successful and we love them. It's a uh, they, too, are a legacy team that has been around for a long time. So, mm-hmm. but I'll root for them no matter what they change the name to. I'm still going to wear all my Indian stuff. I'm stocked up with as many Chief Wahoo backups <laughs> as I could ever possibly
0: be. <laughs> but Yeah, There's some yeah, interesting
1: that- names that they put out. The Rockers, I can't get behind. Um... There's a number of people that are oh, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So what? The, the, the people yeah, that yeah. The, big the Rock <laughs> no. and Roll Hall of Fame are definitely not from um, Cleveland. Yeah. And I just see that as a, that's kind of a lazy, lazy name. Um, the Garden, the Guardians, I had seen that okay. one. That one's not getting a whole ton of traction. Um, the Spiders, I think, could be interesting. You could do a lot with that. Um, people are like, yeah, the Spiders, I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it could be pretty neat for them to, to make that work. Again, that's another old Indians team name that they had yeah. um, before they had multiple name changes. Um, one of the older names that I liked is the, uh, the Naps, the Napoleons, named after another team, okay. number, another uh, member of the team that played for them whose name was Napoleon. And they went by his name. Um, that could be interesting. I don't see that one ever happening. Um, what else that I'd seen proposed? Naming them after Larry Doby, the Dobies.
0: Uh, yeah, I've seen that know. one, yeah.
1: Um, think about what the sports mascots could be in coming out. Some throwback for the spiders could also be cool, could be played on, uh, fun. Mm-hmm. Another one that's on my list that's not getting a whole ton of talk or traction is the, uh, the Commodores the Cleveland Commodore.
0: I love the Commodores one yep I, I love I, I'll tell you the two that I've heard and I like uh, and they are uh, the Commodores and the Cuyahogas uh, but I really love the Commodores one and uh, you know obviously you and I we're, we're both the history buffs that goes back to the war of 1812 um, I really like that one yeah, it could
1: be good and oh yeah there's Vanderbilt so what how many teams are named the Tigers <laughs> there's yeah, right exactly right <laughs> yeah. so that's nothing that I would honestly worry about because there's been some talk about it especially when there was the outcry initially there was a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about what they're going to change it over to but in the end they'll still be my Indians and of course I'll still Thank root there. for them
0: Oh. There, there you go, and I think in, in the hearts and minds of all fans that you know, like you've said, that that are from there, that are you know, longtime fans, it's 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 going to be a name change, but again, they'll always be the yeah. Indians in their hearts. Talk to me a little bit. You you mentioned it. Let's let's touch on it again because uh, I plan to go here with you anyway. Um, tell me what it's like to be a fan in Cleveland. Um, again, you've you you are a longtime Indians fan, Browns fan, uh, you know. Cavaliers fans, correct me if I'm missing any other teams that you got there. Um, what is it like to be a, a, a fan in the city of Cleveland? Uh, a lot a lot of heartache, but a lot of loyalty. Oh, yeah. Can you talk to me about well, that?
1: I'm from Yuckstown, which is approximately an hour south of Cleveland. So, very close. It's in the same region. That, honestly, if you drive through there, it's one continuous region. Once you get from Lake Erie and, and drive along the, the side of the Ohio River, from the Ohio border, it's just Cleveland, Akron, Youngstown, and they just keep going, mm-hmm. going, going down. Pretty much one large metro area. Uh, being a Cleveland okay. sports fan, overall, a simple way to put it is it builds character. <laughs> it builds character to to root for them. Um, the highs and lows both have you know positive uh, impact. Um, teaches you to not be. Teaches you to stay optimistic, but don't be too optimistic uh, about things. <laughs> you know, this could be great, and every year you come out thinking about it, like, "Oh, this is it. This is the year." Like, we've got my fantasy football draft later today. It's with my buddies that are all from Ohio, so we've got that on our mind. We got football coming up here sometime soon, and they're equally heartbreaking. Well, at least with the Indians, there's been success. Um, Winning divisions, making it to the World Series, getting so close—things like that—in uh, the long term, I guess that makes them easier to to uh, to keep and be optimistic about with the Browns. It's just—it's just a roller coaster. Uh.
0: <laughs> is the love—is the love of the Browns—is the love of the Browns any different, Matt? And this is me just completely as an outsider. Are the are the original Browns the team that moved to Baltimore? Are they any different than the Browns that you have now, or do you just is the history all lumped together and you you love them equally or the same, or is there any difference?
1: Well, a lot of people will still look at the current team as the expansion team Browns, but being okay. you know yeah that's still Cleveland, but you don't have everything that carried through with it. Even though we still have the team name, which is super important, and being down here in Houston when they lost the Oilers. The team left they took the team name they took the colors and they'll wear like the oilers uniforms even for like throwback mm-hmm. games and things like that so i'm glad that the browns and cleveland were able to keep the browns and everything uh, that was connected to it and let let uh, art modell go off to, to baltimore and do this thing uh, do i see baltimore in any relation to cleveland browns no that's team that left and they went there and that's they're the Ravens now and I don't think I'm allowed to say the words that I'd like to say about
0: Baltimore the Ravens talk to me um, one thing that you and I also share is um, a great love of college football Um, you mentioned you went to Youngstown State Um, great football program there but let's talk about your other favorite in the state Buckeyes, what is your take on college football this year? Uh, I just heard an argument the other day about how uh, there won't be any asterisks on a national champion this year because the last five years or whatever, it's either been an SEC team or an ACC team, that's one. Um, just There's a lot of stuff going on in college football right now that is obviously fit, uh, affected by the pandemic and, and real life events. Um, What's your take on the Buckeyes not playing this season, being a part of the Big Ten, and college football in general and on a whole this year? Of
1: course I'm not happy that they're
0: not going to play this year. But college Mm -hmm.
1: sports should be a part of what's going on in college. Let's start with the idea Mm -hmm. of, is the campus open? Are kids going to school? You know, things like that. You've seen already with the number mm-hmm. of these campuses that open and pretty much have to shut right back down because everybody starts getting coronavirus. Yep. Um, am I, I'm saddened that there's probably not going to be, you know, Buckeyes football or college football overall as I know it. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and part of the question about the national championship, you don't have to put the asterisk there. Everybody else will. Um, you're paying a
0: game Yep.
1: I don't think you can have a recognized legitimate you know you're the champion of 2020 Uh, but the idea I don't know if they can have uh, big time college sports uh, or should unless they have things under control where the universities themselves and students are attending school that they should think about it have the kids going to school but you do have these athletes out there performing and the university making money off of these so-called student-athletes um, for their...
0: Amen, team. brother.
1: But this is by no means uh, you know, professional sports.
0: Yeah, I, I think you nail it. I'm, I'm of the same thought process with you. You know, it's, di- it's very different when we get into professional sports and and we talk about being you know uh different controls you can put on and, and you know these guys are getting paid to do this and there's there's risk and reward and everything else involved in college it is very much i'm very much with you if you can't have your doors open to educate then you shouldn't have them open to play sports and i, I mean we've seen it yeah there's there's been a number of schools already uh you know within the that we'll, we'll just we'll just focus on the two i mean there's colleges across the country but we'll just focus on the two that are insistent on playing football i mean the sec and acc already had multiple schools uh you know alabama i think has over 500 cases already so you know how do you how do you how do you keep that balance how do you mm-hmm. keep it safe i'm, I'm with you 100 percent. you need to look at them as college students we all know the reality of it we all know the, the revenue they generate and what they mean to the universities we all get that but yeah you need to look at it from if it's not safe for the college to be open uh-huh as an as an educational institute institution then it's not safe to be playing college football you mentioned earlier you're getting ready for your fantasy football draft uh i am i am not a fantasy football person um but but walk (laughs) me through a, a little bit of of the fantasy football world is there is there a what what is what is my man maddie doing to prep for this draft, is there a strategy? Well, I don't give away any secrets because I don't want you. Even though this show will air on Friday after your draft, but uh, check back is there a strategy to, to what you're going into today? Strategy doesn't
1: work out. <laughs> That's probably the biggest part to deal with. I've got a group I play with, 12 guys, so it's a relatively large league. So all your talent gets pretty spread out. Um, you can try. Okay. It, you know, a lot of times it's just getting lucky on who you can get. So I say that to say this. It's an auction-style draft where you don't just show up, I have come oh. four, I pick this guy, I get him. It's an auction okay. where you say, hey, I want Saquon Barkley. The other guy can come in and say, well, I'm willing to pay five bucks more for Saquon Barkley, and it turns into an auction. And you oh, have, wow. uh, $200 that you can spend to
0: outfit your entire roster. It has a, a layer of <laughs> competition
1: to it and a layer of frustration.
0: <laughs> sure. Especially. <because laughs> <of the draft. laughs> I, I'd imagine you
1: do, so. <laughs> you can do all the preparation you want, which what I normally do for my preparation is circle who I want. I don't put those guys out as my draft picks because I know these guys are pretty good and somebody's going to, somebody's going to outbid me on it. So I'll let them turn into um, so-called like the sleeper picks. Like, these are the guys that I want, and I'm going to see okay. if they're still around later. So I can start nabbing them up after everybody's blown all of their money on Lamar Jackson <laughs> and Christian McCaffrey and all those guys. They don't have anything left to outbid me for a guy okay. that would probably get bid up in the $40, $50 range, but the highest bid they can make anymore is 20 bucks. Well, I still got.
0: That's a nice strategy. That's a nice, strategy. That's a nice bucks, leverage so strategy.
1: Fine. You forgot about him. You paid all the money <laughs> for that guy, and it's only one player the trick is to, to space out your budget um, that's the one the one thing about planning. is yeah you can plan a little bit but don't get too set in it you're not gonna it's gonna all change the second people start bidding um, uh,
0: how long have you been playing fantasy football uh, for?
1: six seven years something like that okay. I had been in like at the peak I think I was in three leagues and that's awful <laughs> I did that for I think two years. I was like, now I can only do two leagues. One was a Texas league, and one's an Ohio league. And I've been doing two okay. leagues for a number of years now. Uh, but this is the year I'm just going to drop to the one league. i okay. having too many teams. There's people that have, have like four, five, six teams. I'm just, i just I don't understand that.
0: <laughs> have you achieved any success, or are you still reaching for oh, the uh,
1: one? I'm one. right one. Now. Um, Like I think okay. it was like my second year in the league. In the Ohio League. I came back from like the first year I played, I was a dead last place, and the next year I won it all. So,
0: my there wife had
1: a Felt uh, buckle made because, of course, <laughs> I live in Texas yes. So I had that made.
0: God <laughs> bless you. But, uh, but
1: oh. Now we have for our Ohio trophy, like since fantasy football has taken off, they have companies that make these things. So we've got a legit, uh, you're going to like this, WWF-style wrestling championship belt and it is nice legit. like it's not just plastic it's metal for the plate and it's got <laughs> real leather and it's, it's a real championship belt it's real sharp looking our one buddy
0: you 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 have you have to promise that that if, if you win this belt that I, I get a photo of, of you course. with this belt absolutely that needs to happen. <laughs> Okay, for the for the two guys who, who used to sit in the room and, and play uh, WCW versus NWO and yell Harlem Heat all the time. We need to. I need to see a picture yeah, of you if you win this championship. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Harlem Heat, um, what's his name? Booker has
1: uh, had a radio show here in in Houston on uh, mm-hmm. ESPN Radio. I'm not sure if he still has a standalone show. I think he does. Uh, I'm not listening at that time, like it's 7 to 9 okay. o'clock or whatever. But his radio show is not bad. Uh, he does pretty okay. good. Job. He does laugh at his own jokes quite a bit, which makes me annoyed. Uh, <laughs> but
0: it's, it's a good one. Does he, does he do his shucky-ducky-quack-quack? Uh, yes, quack? He does it all. He, he wheels it all
1: out. <laughs> so,
0: but then there's my other Texas
1: league. Now we have a, a championship ring that somebody had made. Like I said, you can go online. You can find all okay. the stupid stuff you can get for your fantasy football league industry
0: around it <laughs> it, is, it has definitely turned into to an industry um, I've somehow avoided it Probably, honestly probably because I'm I'm a bigger college sure. football fan than I am just NFL fan but uh, so many so many of my friends and my brother every, everybody does it but yeah I was just curious when you mentioned to me the other day that you had the draft I was like I'm going to talk to Matt about the strategy I had no idea this is the first time actually hearing about the auction part of it so that is interesting because that does add a whole other wrinkle to it and and, and and leave it to you to come up with a strategy that I like where let everybody spend their money first and then mm-hmm. go in for the kill. Thank you. I, 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 I like it. Well, buddy, it was a Absolutely. pleasure spending some time with you. Um, we'll have to have you back on again soon. Uh, and we'll do. In, in the meantime, you take care of yourself and uh, have fun down there in Galveston, it's buddy. Good talking to you, Todd. Go Indians. Uh, go, go Indians. We'll, we'll touch base right, soon, Matty. Bye. All right, man. Godzilla is a globally recognized character who certainly has no shortage of fans around the world Um, but he will never be as important anywhere as he is in his native Japan Uh, even though I myself my son Many people here in the States have a great love for him. The nation where Godzilla was born, he probably means as much or if not more than Mickey Mouse himself. So it is not a shock to me when the story came across my desk. Uh, However, when it did come across my desk and I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a must happen for my son and I like we, we have to make this happen I'm mean, gonna have to wait till he's a little bit older obviously as I but we have to make this happen um, let me let me get to what it is um, there is going to be a Godzilla museum in Japan which that alone is cool enough right but they also announced that they are adding an attraction. To this museum that is worthy of a theme park. And that is a zipline that will allow you to fly into the mouth of Godzilla. How freaking badass is that? It's I, I, I gotta put the, the renderings up on on the site. Uh, it looks amazing. I mean, you literally zip line into Godzilla's mouth. It's so freaking cool. Um, so, you know, obviously it's not built yet, so we still have to wait for it to be built. But there is a Godzilla museum coming in Japan. The only thing I couldn't find was the exact location. I'll have to do some further research on that. Um, but there is a Godzilla museum coming to Japan, and it is going to have a theme park worthy ride where you zip line. Into Godzilla's mouth, and this is freaking awesome. And I have to do it with my son. We just gotta get over this pandemic. <laughs> first things first, we gotta get over this pandemic. We gotta get this museum built and this ride up and running. We gotta wait till Jonah's a little bit older, so he's big enough to ride the zipline. And uh, we we gotta go do this, man. It is so freaking cool. You're flying into Godzilla's goddamn mouth. Man, it's it's awesome. Like the rendering is freaking awesome. Um, I wish one of our theme parks here would would do that. I would I would love for Universal to put something like this right next to their Kong ride um, at Islands of Adventure. Man, that'd be so dope. <laughs> Today's Random Thought. I am not responsible for what my face does when you talk. And that was today's Random Thought. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Some quick housekeeping notes before we get out of here. Number one from last week's episode, Let's Talk About Race. my buddy Marvin would like to clarify that uh, his car was registered when he was pulled over. Uh, he just didn't put the sticker on yet, so he actually went to court and was able to prove uh, that the car was registered and he hadn't put the sticker on yet, so uh, he didn't have to pay the ticket, just the uh, the court fee, so I uh, wanted to do Marvin a solid here and uh, <laughs> clean up that story for him a little bit, um, and then in another housekeeping note, in a, a bit of Sad news. We opened up the show talking about people who passed away. And uh, unfortunately, we have another to add to that list. George Thomas Seaver. Tom Seaver, better known as Tom Terrific in the franchise to New York Mets fans, has passed away. Um, Tom was a uh, legendary pitcher for the New York Mets, synonymous with the franchise uh, growing up in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, And my Nana, being a Mets fan, I was very familiar with uh, Tom Terrific. Uh, Tom was also a Boston Red Sox for a little bit. Um, He played with the Cincinnati Reds and Chicago White Sox. So uh, Tom Terrific, Tom Seaver, Uh, condolences to his family, friends, extended family, and the New York Vets organization. Um, other than that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We encourage everybody to go ahead and have a great Labor Day weekend. Be safe, be smart, uh, and come on back here next week for another edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening to my dad's show.